0: Sure as God made green apples someday the Chicago Cubs are gonna be in the World Series. And maybe sooner than we think. Is he alive? This is gonna be What's going on, Cubs fans? You're listening to the Lockdown Cubs, part of the Lockdown Network, your team every day. I am one of your hosts, John Sears. Joining me on the other computer is Ryan Davis. Uh, on today's episode, of believe me, this is episode 171 of Lockdown Cubs. We're getting close to the end of the first season as pitchers and catchers report Tuesday. Uh, so Ryan and I are going to kind of go over the roster as is right now. Uh, I think it's safe to assume at this point, while there are free agents out there, I don't think the Cubs are going to be involved in that. So this is probably the team you can expect to be on the field for this year. We'll kind of look at the roster, maybe debate over some position battles, maybe some last-minute people that might make this roster, and maybe some minor league invites that so we could talk about, or spring training invites. Uh, in the second segment, we're going to kind of dive on you Darvish, uh, Chris Bryant and Brandon Morrow, as we got some encouraging you, Darvish news. Haven't gotten a ton on Chris Bryant and Brandon Morrow, but uh, some more injury news that we can discuss here in the second segment. And then we'll also touch on the Pacoda projections, which have not been too favorable to the Cubs. And then finally, we'll wrap up the show, just kind of touch on a few few key bullets here as we enter the week. Luke Haggerty threw 95 miles an hour and has a nasty two steamer. We'll definitely be talking about that in the third and final segment. So, But. That's enough of me talking, Ryan Davis. What is up, dude?
1: Not much. Had a really good weekend. Saw Lego Movie Two, which uh, I really Ooh. enjoyed. So yeah, yeah, uh, can't complain here.
0: That's good. You liked Lego Movie.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's one of the first movies that my daughter and I really kind of bonded on. Um, that was one of the first like movies she wanted to watch on repeat, and one, like one of the first ones I actually enjoyed. So, uh, yeah, we were pretty excited to see Lego Movie Two, and it was it was good. I liked it. It, had, you know, it, it was uh, it was not maybe as good as the first one, but like uh, pretty much in that same kind of line. It wasn't disappointing at all.
0: Sure, yeah, I like the Lego movies. I'm I'm actually gonna probably see that sometime soon. So I'm glad it a good review so far, but. Let's talk about some baseball. Uh, obviously, pitchers and catchers reporting on Tuesday. You Darvish and already a couple people are already in spring training. Um, obviously, we'll touch on you, Darvish in the second segment, but spring training, closer than we might think. Obviously, pitchers and catchers coming means position players are only a week out as well, and it's always nice to know baseball is going to be a thing we can watch on TV soon. So, uh, looking at this roster, obviously, if we've talked about it nonstop. There hasn't been much movement this offseason. There's still plenty of free agents, including the top two and – you know, obviously Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, they're not signed and it's unlikely they're coming to the Cubs. So Ryan and I kind of been looking at this roster and we're just kind of taking an idea, picking at it and seeing what we think of it so far right now to start. Where, like, where is the most concerning spot for you right now? Obviously probably bullpen, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, just cause it's not, not as proven uh, mm-hmm. in the bullpen. Like you're kind of relying on a lot of, you know, guys who don't strike out a lot of batters, guys who've walked too many batters in in the recent year or two. Uh, so yeah, it's you know Brandon Morrow's your big money guy in the bullpen, and he's not going to be ready to start the season. So um, I know you're a big fan of Brandon Morrow. Yeah, I've talked about that <laughs> plenty. Um, so I mean, it, let's just say that he makes his big league debut, well, not big league debut, but a Cubs debut in 2019 um, on May 1st. That means he'll have gone like ten months without pitching in a, in a major leagues. You know, like that's it, it'll it'll be you know fairly close to like a year. So I mean, that's just disappointing. Morrow threw thirty and two thirds innings last year. It probably is going to be something similar this year again because he's starting the season late. And who who knows what you have to do with him? You have to you know handle him with with kids gloves just to you know keep him out there. So. Um, then you've got c who's 33, Pedro Strope who's 34, Justin Wilson's gone, uh, Jesse Chavez is gone, Carl Edwards is back, but he's 27, and it always has that stretch or two where he's extremely unreliable. Mike Montgomery probably will be in the middle pen unless there's injuries. Uh, Brandon Kinsler will probably be there, maybe yeah. um, Brian Dunsing, maybe Tyler Chatwood, so there are some names in that bullpen that are not trustworthy, um, not not guys you think can come in and really like hold the lead or you know even more important because because I, I do think overall if your starter goes six or seven innings you could trust C Sheck, Stroop and Edwards to hold a lead for you but those mm-hmm. games where you're within one run or or it's a tie game you know going into the seventh those are the ones you worry about because I you know as a reliever i'm not a huge fan of mike montgomery at this point i think he's probably better utilized as a starter and right some of these other guys i'm not a big fan of but i I think there are probably enough arms that they could they could find a few guys for those those last roles and we can talk about those guys in a minute but yeah that that would be my big concern would be the bullpen what about you
0: yeah i mean uh that's that's really what i'm kind of concerned about i obviously like you can feel confident in Stroop, Cishek and Edwards for a good amount of games, but obviously you can't throw those guys back to back. And if the Cubs are going to score two, three runs, if even of that this year, like they did last year, you're really just like, not only are you just struggling to score offense altogether, but you're really putting your relievers in a tough spot, especially when it's like one, nothing or zero, zero, or maybe two, two in a game. And, you got to look at these guys and be like, all right, we need three perfect innings. And that's a lot to ask water relievers, especially when these three guys are most likely going to be used more often than anyone else this first month of baseball. So I'm concerned about that. I'm worried about Mike Montgomery too, because I know he's been pretty vocal about wanting to be a starter. And he showed last year that he was way more effective as a starter than he was a reliever. Um, I know he's always kind of coming with the mantra that he, you know, will do what's best for the team, but he's also made it clear. He feels that he is a starting pitcher, and I think last year proved that. Uh, But you look at the rotation; there's no spot for him. So maybe they, you know, every other maybe every other time through the rotation, Mike Montgomery might snag a start, or they might push people back to let Montgomery start. I don't know, but I'm interested to see how that develops too.
1: Yeah, and and of course, then you also have Tyler Chatwood, and (laughs) let's say that you know, and I've been pretty vocal about the fact that I think. Chatwood most likely the, the most likely scenario is that he's pitching more like the guy from before 2018 than right. just continuing the the trend from 2018. So if you have that guy, who is your number six? Is it Chatwood or is it Montgomery? And, and I think for the Cubs, it might be Chatwood. So kind of
0: like be you know, out of necessity more than anything, but yeah.
1: Because Montgomery, you know, although I'm not a huge fan of him as a reliever because he tends to be better, his peripherals are just better as a starter. He doesn't strike out that many guys as a reliever. I he is at least useful in some capacities as a reliever, whereas Chatwood I I don't necessarily buy it because he does walk too many guys. Mm -hmm. And I I just don't trust him as a reliever. I, I would trust Montgomery even more. So uh yeah, I would think Chatwood would be your number six and if somebody were injured he would be the one to slide into the rotation if he's able to throw strikes. If he's not, I have no idea what you do with him, and that's part of the. That's going to be the mystery of spring training. That that's one of the big mysteries in general of the <laughs> twenty nineteen Cubs is, what do you do with Tyler Chatwood? Do are you just hoping that some team that needs pitching sees that he's pitching well again in spring training and calls you up for a trade? I I don't know what the what the end game here is. Or, or what they're what they're ultimately prepared to do with him
0: yeah i don't know i mean i've heard hot takes on twitter where people are like hey, he throws hard enough make him a uh, like a late inning reliever and it's uh, like, yeah no, no. great yeah let's have the guy that couldn't get through first innings because he walked everyone be the guy that has to strike out everyone at the end of the game <laughs> Yeah, no, no 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 that's not no. a good role for him that's it, not how things work here um, like the, mo- the most
1: he could do is maybe be like a a two-inning bridge guy who comes in in, like, the fourth. That's a, right. that's about the most you could use him out of the pen.
0: So let's take a look at the outfielders here, of course. Albert Amora, Ian Happ, Jason Hayward, Kyle Schwarber. Uh, Mark Zagunis is on the active roster right now. Those are the guys we know for sure will probably uh, – maybe not Mark Zagunis, but those four obviously will be a part of this outfield for the Cubs this year. Um, most likely Ben Zilberst involved in that picture, too. There isn't much debate here necessarily. Um, I'm assuming Happ and Elmore will probably split time in center field and Happ can maybe come into the infield. But, you know, for the most part, positions are pretty much settled, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would think Hayward would be almost every day in right, right. field. Uh, you've got Happ Hap and Almora. Um, you know, I, I think Almora at least is out there pretty much every time a left-hander's on the mound. I would almost be willing to bet – I wouldn't call it a full share, but I would almost be willing to bet Schwarber and Elmora share time more than Happ and Elmora do, because I do mm-hmm. think that this might be more of a breakout year for Ian Happ. Not to say that it won't be for Schwarber, but you know he has pretty much continued to to struggle against lefties. Um, you know, and he's much further into his career than Ian Happ is at this point. So, um, right. I think at least to start the year, it'd be more likely that Ian Happ might get a little bit more of the playing time than the other two. Although I I would expect to see Schwarber out there most days. So, um, yeah, I I think it's just going to be a balancing act in the outfield with those four guys trying to fit them all in to get, you know, playing time, uh, Zobrist out there and, or I guess five guys with Zobrist. So yeah, it'll just be an interesting balancing act. And then you've got Brian at third base. What do you do with David Bodie? Is he on the active roster? Um, you know, I I guess we could go there with like a if you've got thir- <laughs> if you've got thirteen pitchers in the bullpen and you're going with twelve um on offense, you know, who are your twelve?
0: Uh well, obviously you gotta have Contreras and a backup probably, of yeah, some sort. Vic- yeah, of some sort. So probably Victor Carantini at the moment, but that could change. Uh Javier Baez, yeah. David Bodie, Chris Bryant. Daniel Descalso, Rizzo, Zilberist because Russell doesn't count towards the 40-man right now, correct? Correct. Okay. And then you've got Amora, Hap, Hayward, Schwarber. Where are we at? Is that 11? No, that's I, – that's, I,
1: lost, I lost track.
0: I believe that's 12. Let me count again really quick. Six, seven, eight. Nope, that's your 12. Yeah, so essentially, I mean – that's it. Your bench players are one of your outfielders and probably Descalso or Zilberst, Bodie, some combination of that. Okay.
1: I mean, uh, I can get behind
0: that on your bench. So, I mean... Versatile, at least, but yeah. Uh, not too many grit hitting options, I would say, outside of maybe Zilberst if he's not starting.
1: Yeah. Throwing out who the opposing pitcher is going to be, uh, what's your opening day You know, lineup? Mm-hmm. I mean, is it Contreras at catcher Rizzo at first would you go with Zobrist go with... Zobrist at second and yeah. Baez at short
0: that's probably what i go with
1: and then um Bryant but... and then Schwarber either Hap or Almora probably Hap and yeah. then Hayward
0: yeah that's probably I mean and that's that's probably like the the most consistent starting lineup you'll have um until Addison Russell comes back and We'll see if he does become an instant starter. I would assume his glove probably merits that. But, um, you know, Zilberst, I you don't want him starting every game, obviously, so that probably works out better. But, yeah, I would assume that first month he'll probably see Ben Zoberst playing second base a lot. And I, I think it's probably safe to assume we'll see more Zoberst exclusively um, at second base this year just because – his versatility is nice, but there were some really bad plays in the outfield this year. He made some great ones, but yeah, some ones where it's just like, wow, you just let you just took the weirdest angle to that ball and you just, it's a triple now. It's a triple, Ben. Thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah, especially early in the year, there were times where it was like, okay, so there's a play off the wall and Zobers fields it and there might be like a play at the plate and they have no shot because he can't get the ball quickly enough to the cutoff man, like like the yeah. throwing arm, it's just it's not happening. Where whereas like when Hayward's out there, teams are so conscious of him, like they are they're mm-hmm. afraid to even send guys because they know Hayward can gun you out from pretty deep into right field. So that, yeah. that's a major weapon to have out there with with Hayward versus Zobrist. So yeah, I, I think him Zobrist starting at second base would probably be better. Uh, overall, except he does need a little bit more time off, but I like the idea of Bodhi being your give Brian a day off, give Baez a day off, give, yeah. give Zobrist a day off kind of guy. A- and then also you have Descalzo who can do the same thing. So I like that dynamic.
0: That is good. I, and it's obviously like Bodie provides pop. Descalso has a little bit of pop in his bat. I think they're just like more reliable hitters than Tommy Lestella was at times. Like, not necessarily reliable in the sense they can't get a hit, but they provide more potential to score runs, I feel like. Because, like, there are plenty of times where, like, Tommy Lestella come up, get a pinch hit with one out, and then, like, Jason Hayward come up and ground a two double play. And it's just like, okay, well. <laughs> Thanks for playing, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so I think at least you have maybe something more with that, at least more potential. But yeah, defensively wise, that's really a solid combination because Discalcio and Bodie legitimately could play probably all infield positions. I don't know if you want Descalso playing shortstop, but he has experience there, so that's great. Um, backup catcher, though, I mean, right now it's just TBD for us at the moment, right? Like, I don't, I know you and I are both not confident in Carantini, and we both yeah. probably prefer a veteran catcher, but if that's not there,
1: you know. Yeah, they signed a guy named Francisco Arcia, who I've seen mm-hmm. people say is like a creative player, because he's it's like, it's like if you're playing MLB the Show and it decides to pull from Francisco Lindor and uh, Francisco Arcia, um, not Francisco's the other Arcia. Wow. Yeah, I Orlando Arcia Orlando completely messed yeah. that up. But yeah, it's like too many O's. Yeah, he's <laughs> he, he's a creative player. But yeah, he's a catcher. He,
0: <laughs> creative player. <laughs> he, he,
1: made, he made his big league debut last year at the Angels and actually uh, started twenty five games behind the plate, which is a for a backup catcher. I mean, that, that's a fair amount. Um, yeah. But he, he also made his big league debut at, like twenty eight years old as well. So um, okay, he's not like really going to be like a catching prospect or anything and I don't know a ton about him other than the fact that he might just be a a, the kind of guy who you know plays 10 years in the league but also like you know suits up for eight different teams and and never never you know gets more than 200 plate appearances in a season he he might be that guy
0: I I mean eh, whatever you know if he can frame I'm sure the Cubs will give him a serious look at the very least because they they do love their framing catchers um I know we kind of teased it a little bit before, but let's before we jump into the second segment, what are some of the big position battles you right now? I know we kind of we were talking about this before the break. It it's pretty much all pitching, but I mean a lot of the even positions there are kind of determined just because of the money that's due to some of these guys. But even then, I mean it's really kind of one true bullpen spot they're fighting for, right?
1: Yeah, and even even that, I think we we call it one bullpen spot. Um, right, but because I think we all because know they, they have going to. yeah, because they have so many guys. But so you got C. Shack Strope, Carl Edwards. Right now you can project Mike Montgomery. Uh, you have to project Tyler Chatwood there. You have to project Brandon Kinsler uh, and Brian Dunsing. So I mean that's seven, just mm-hmm. right there. So so then you have a, a whole like crew of other guys. Um, you have Tony Barnett. Other- are you i'm sorry you have brad brock we didn't even bring him up so so that's Ugh. that's an eighth guy oh my god <laughs> so <laughs> but, important <laughs> yeah brad brock he'll be there so so that's eight uh but if you were to you know um let's say take it, maybe the chatwood spot isn't set in stone maybe it's possible he's traded maybe it's possible he's in the rotation you have guys like tony barnett who they signed who's 35 um you have a, a, a really uh, As far as prospects go, like an actual relief prospect named Rowan Wick, who you acquired from the San Diego Padres uh, in a deal for Jason Vosler, I guess, like maybe a month or two ago, Um, that's a guy who struck out a lot of guys in in the minors. He's already 26, but he actually came up with the Cardinals um, as a a catcher and then an outfielder in his first couple, couple years in the minors. So he's only been a pitcher for a few years. Um, and I know that they really like his arms. So th- that's a guy who's a solid relief prospect. You also have Dakota Meckes, who's a relief prospect, probably will start the year with AAA, but then you have all these guys on minor league deals like Robs Hill and Juni Chichazawa, George Contos, you have Ian Clarkin, Colin Ray. So, I mean, you have all these guys who could be, you know, essentially battling for a bullpen spot. Um, so you're going to be they're going to patch all the holes (laughs) that's that's my hope is that i wrote this thing for forbes for tomorrow that you'll that you'll probably i guess today if you're listening to this uh where i described what they're doing with the bullpen is like sticking wads of chewing gum and leaking holes (laughs) and
0: inside like a, a hypothetical ship hull um, let's roll into the second segment where we'll talk more about the U Darvish update as well. Just kind of go over the kind of the three main injuries to this Cubs team that could kind of make or break the season. And then we'll also dive into the Pocota projections here on Lockdown Cubs. What's going on Cubs fans? This spring, follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for Cactus League spring training, amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, incredible food, Arizona is the perfect home base for your baseball fans. 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75-degree temperatures. Man, that sounds so nice being freezing in Chicago. All stadiums are in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles. Family-friendly resorts, hotels, which offer plenty of fun for kids of all ages, from water parks to horseback rides to games and activities. Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com. Spring training. Once again, that is visit slash spring Only a couple days we have before spring training kicks off here officially. Pitchers and catchers report Tuesday for the Cubs. Plan your event now at, once again, visit slash spring Welcome back to Lockdown Cubs, and here in the second segment, we've got some good news about you Darvish. Uh, he apparently threw off a mound on Sunday threw 45 pitches and looked really good. According to uh, WGN, I believe he's just a camera guy for WGN, uh, Steve Schuler, who's down there with Dan Rohn. Uh, Darvish talked quite a bit to the media, didn't use an interpreter. Uh, definitely felt like he was trying to convey a message, but you know, I saw on Twitter and we can get to the backlash here in a sec. A lot of people weren't necessarily grasping like kind of how big of a step it is that he went on the mound and threw essentially what would be the equivalent of maybe like three innings of pitches. Yeah. Um, that's a huge step for a guy that literally every time he stepped on the mound, hurt his arm more than it was the day before. So, uh, I'm encouraged by this. I don't think it's anything to be like, all right, you Darvish back and Cy Young candidate, but it's good to know at least this guy should be ready to go here for the season.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's already in, uh, Arizona working, which, you know, shouldn't surprise anybody. And
0: Mm -hmm. yeah,
1: apparently he looked really good throwing. He feels really good throwing, but, I, He's in the best shape of his life, right? Did you know? <laughs> of course. You know, just, yeah. I am too. No, 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 no. <laughs> One day. Yeah, for me. Maybe. One day. No, probably not. Um <laughs> But yeah, not like the, it's it's exciting, but it's also at the same time, I don't think you're being pessimistic if pessimistic about it if you don't get super excited about it. Because how right. many times did Darvish throw several pitches in a session, either in a bullpen or uh, in um, uh, a rehab stint, like, did he did he go to the mound and, the, and then look and feel good, and then later we find out, like, was having pain uh, or, you know, the the injury was there and, and he was just battling through it. So it, it's totally fine not to be uh, super excited about it until you see him actually go out. I, I think here's the moment I will be excited about Darvish. Yeah. When I see him go out and throw a couple innings in, a spring game and then I see him, you know, five or six days later, how many days go back out and do it again and then throw like an extra inning or an extra 20 pitches and then sure. still be good. Like at that point when he starts doing it in the spring, in those like spring training games, that's when I'll be excited about it.
0: Yeah, I I agree. Um, I was trying to watch his um, his motion a little bit um, just because like I, I – I went down a deep dive of uh, trying to defend Hugh Darvish last year at one point, and um, I was just kind of comparing his, like, motion compared to what he threw when he was first coming up with the Rangers to what he was throwing, like, for the Cubs last year. And obviously, he changed his motion quite a bit. Uh, Even coming into the season, he was doing more of, like, a long-standing leg, kind of – not a kick, but he was just, like, leaning on his right leg and then going, like, a hesitation almost. Um, He's kind of tweaked things a little bit, but you can see from – The Cubs angle, he's trying not to reach back as far as he did before because his arm, like, literally when he would throw before in Japan and his first couple years with the Rangers, he had, like, a wet noodle for an arm. Like, it just was like a whip coming across, and you could see now he's, like, trying to settle more of that arm and... I, he was doing it a lot more last year than he is this year, which at first I thought last year when I saw this, it might've been a good thing because maybe he was putting less torque on it. But I, I'm starting to think now he was just trying to not hurt his arm as much. Um, and if that were the case, maybe that's a difference. Now, this is all coming from someone that has watched YouTube clips for 45 minutes and found a conspiracy theory. So this is not fact. I don't know what I'm talking about. But um, <laughs> it's just something that, you know, it, it's encouraging to see that at least he, he looks more like himself. So, well, obviously... We're you know, examining forty five seconds of a video. That's not anything serious here, but at least the big takeaway is Darvish seems healthy and hopefully he can kind of progress and be able to pitch back to you know every five days and not have to worry about him being in any discomfort going forward. So
1: Yeah. I mean that that's really the big thing is you wanna see him make at least thirty starts for you this year. That would be that would be huge. I mean that that's mm-hmm. we're at the point where we know, finally, here in in February, where pitchers and catchers are about to report, we finally know what the off-season plan was. <laughs> <laughs> and the off-season plan <laughs> was not, plan. To, not to really change the roster at all. Um, they had some players leave, and they replaced those players with, for the most part, comparable players. And... Outside of that, they're really just going into it with the hope that Darvish is going to be healthy and that Morrow will come back at some point and not go back on, I almost call it the disabled list, the injured list.
0: Ooh, um, caught yourself.
1: Yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, I'm fine with the change. It's just, it's going to be impossible, you know, after writing that phrase Literally. so many times over the course of my mm-hmm. last few years, it's going to be hard to, to change habits, but yeah, no, it's you just hope that Morrow's going to be out there once he's healthy. Uh, you mm-hmm. hope that Chris Bryant's shoulder is healthy. So, I mean, there's, the, those are the really big key factors I think for this season and they were the key factors last year. And, you know, from the optimistic point of view, I could say, you know, uh, Darvish had a year that was unlike most of his career and, you You know, he should be back out there and healthy and doing his thing. And same for Bryant. The shoulder problem doesn't seem like it's uh, a long-term thing. So hopefully he's out there doing it again. But then I also think back to, uh, and this might be going a little bit too far ahead of your time, but um, those like mid-2000s Cubs where, you know, they brought the team out and everyone thought they had like this historically great rotation because they added Greg Maddox to it in 2004. And and missed
0: Clement. Yeah,
1: Pryor missed <laughs> half the year. and then Carry Wood missed a bunch of games. and then they brought most of them back, I think just minus Clement for the next year. And mm-hmm. then Carry Wood missed almost all of the season as a starter. and Pryor had a decent year. Um, but he like, got
0: annihilated in his first game against the Tigers.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't remember that, but yeah, but, but then the next year, it was kind of just like, okay, so we had some injuries again. But rather than go out and sign some starting pitchers and really build up some depth in case Pryor and Wood get hurt, let's just bank on Pryor and Wood being healthy, and we'll just roll the same, we'll roll the dice again on yeah. the same group, and then w- Wood missed basically the whole year, and and Pryor was you know basically never a factor in the big leagues ever again, and yeah. and you just had this like complete failure to understand what the problem was and then finally that offseason they went out and got i think what ted Lilly, and they went out and got jason marquis and they actually like revamped the rotation a little bit and accepted that carrie wood was no longer a starter and that, that's when things turn around but uh, to make a a long drawn-out story about the mid-2000s cubs a little shorter um, <laughs> if you wanted to be pessimistic about it you could say um, counting on the same guys to not do what they did last year to do the good stuff that might not be the best
0: plan. Let's roll into the Pakoda projections here for the Cubs. Um, for those that aren't familiar with what Pakoda is, for the most part, it's a projection system created by baseball perspectives that for the most part, I, I wouldn't say it's like the most accurate, but it's probably like the most like respected projecting system that most riders go through. At least that's what I'm looking at most part during the year. Um, what were your kind of thoughts on these projections? Obviously not loving the cubs at the moment
1: yeah um i used to write for baseball prospectus or at least baseball prospectus regularlyville i wrote for the main set a few times and uh i i loved the inner conversations uh leading up to the pakoda projections like in the email strings and all that uh it was just so much fun because like there really is this perception not everybody i guess believes it but i I really believe there is this perception among the general masses that like at its heart, Pocota is just the baseball prospectus writers sitting down and saying, so who do we like and who do we don't?
0: Yeah, <laughs> just a conference meeting. <laughs> yeah, which
1: it, it's not, you know, like, and it's real and I, data. And, I, and, I, and I also think there's some people who think that it is a projection system, which it is, but that once it spits out those numbers, the baseball prospectus people are just like, well, that's it. The Cubs are yeah. finishing eighty-one and eighty-one. <laughs> They're tying with the Pirates and Reds because Picota says it's true, and nobody does that. I mean, the, there might be like one or two people who are like super Picota heads, but you know, outside of that, you know, I, I don't think anybody really believes the Cubs are finishing eighty-one and eighty-one, which is what Picota has them at. Right, and I think that's heavily because uh, Picota weighs pitch framing um, mm-hmm. e- extremely hard into their projections, and and I think that might actually be. To a degree, exposing Pakota and one of its flaws.
0: Yeah, I think so. And I mean, like they've got Javier Baez listed as a negative defender in e. here. Uh, whoops, sorry. What'd you say?
1: I said E. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I thought you, that's not good.
0: No, definitely bad. Like they've they've got that they've got that projection going against them. They think the Cubs are going to a lot. I think it's hundred and seventy-seven runs next year, or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, I, I'm sure that has a lot to do with their defense as well as the framing as well. Like you said, it's kind of, kind of almost it's, it's, it's accounting for way too much in my opinion. Obviously I don't think framing should be that disastrous to a team because obviously framing wasn't super important until, you know, or not super important, but something that we didn't point to and be like, this is a good thing to have until like realistically like mainstream wise, four or five years ago. And teams probably were paying attention to it before that, but you know, no one's, winning of division on framing and no one's losing too many games on framing so yeah i whatever irrelevant but like you said pagoda is more it's a projection system it's not fact and obviously like you said there are outliers to every data and baseball prospectus is one of the more articulately smart websites you can find your baseball content they're not idiots they're just saying here's what the numbers think is something that is most likely to happen and honestly it's it's pretty fair i mean the cubs Looked awful in that second half of baseball, particularly that final couple months. They regressed quite a bit, and there's a case to be made that there's some players that could regress further for the Cubs and that could counteract guys like Chris Bryant and Wilson Contreras having bigger seasons. And I feel like that's something not a lot of people obviously didn't want to hear, but maybe didn't necessarily think about coming into this. So, yeah. that being said, Cubs are a 90 win team, in my book at least. So,
1: yeah, I mean that that's what I wrote in my my Forbes per um, spring training you know thing that you know looking ahead to spring training there was kind of like Mm -hmm. a what's the best case scenario what's the worst case scenario and the best case scenario is that you know Bryant and Darvish are healthy and the bullpen gets patched together and does a good job surprisingly and they win 100 games and win the world series worst case scenario is all those things go wrong they win 90 and finish in third place
0: right (laughs) like you know and that's you know, what I mean? like it to. I mean, and I'm sure fans would think this sky's falling, and everything would suck, and that would suck. Like, obviously, if they finish in third place, and you know, they don't make the wild card, or they don't, you know, make the playoffs altogether, yeah, that sucks, and that's probably a disappointing season. But this isn't an awful team. This is still a good team. There's too much talent here for them to. I mean, there's no way this team finishes 500 outside of like people breaking legs and arms and being out for seasons. So
1: yeah, um, just a few of the player projections that I kind of wanted to go through. Um, Wilson Contreras I I feel like they're way off on his offensive projections Um, they have him as a 253 average 339 on base 415 slugging with 15 homers in almost 500 plate appearances Um, they have his pitch framing um, his defense dinged quite a bit which I agree with but um, if you just look at him offensively since he came into the major leagues uh, those would represent some pretty low career numbers and Just look up into like from the start of when he arrived in 2016 to um, like basically midway through last year. His numbers are very different than the second half of last year when you could, you know, pretty honestly accept the fact that he was just exhausted from all the days at the ballpark and the brutal scheduling and all the flying and all the catching. Completely understandable why he, you know, dropped off the way he did. Again, it's a projection system, so it takes all that into account um, on a numbers basis, but not necessarily in the nuance. So there's a good example of a guy where the numbers say he's not going to be a very good offensive player or kind of just an average offensive player when I think you can kind of project that he'll be much better than that.
0: Right. It's easy to forget that Wilson Contreras was at one point a legitimate MVP candidate during the 2017 season. So let's hope that happens again because that would be pretty fun in yeah. my opinion.
1: So. It also only has Schwarber at 21 home runs. Yeah, in, what? In like 500 plate appearances. Which <laughs> He
0: uh, yeah. had a garbage 2017 and still managed to hit 30 home runs. Like, come on, this yeah. guy.
1: That's, that's not going to happen.
0: No, Schwarber's going to break baseballs in half. It's going to be fun. All right, let's jump into the third final segment here. We have a couple quick notes. Luke Haggerty throwing pitches that make me excited. Uh, Cubs potentially playing in London against the Cardinals, which I'm game for. Um, and other quick tidbits here as we wrap up Locked On Cubs. Alright, welcome back to Locked on Cubs here as we wrap up the third and final segment of the show on Today's quick little MLB bullets here for the Cubs. Luke Haggerty, a uh, guy we talked about on the podcast earlier last week. Uh, his bullpen session, or I think he was just actually throwing off a mound here, was put up on Twitter. I think it's from his agency or the performance group he works for. Um Throwing his two seamer, which was uh, filthy, absolutely filthy. Did you see that, Ryan?
1: I didn't. No, I, I didn't see Ooh. the video. I'm, it's on Cubs Insider shared. I uh,
0: put a link up a little bit ago. Um, but his two seamer, it throws so two pitches. One two seamer literally touches the outside corner on the left-handed batter or right-handed batter's side of the, clip, uh, the plate, and then pulls right back on the inside corner on the uh, left-handed batter side. So literally goes from side to side. Crazy swerve, and then he has another one that comes back and curls up back on the batter as he's taking a swing and gets him to pull it foul. It looks filthy. He's throwing about ninety five, ninety six miles an hour. Um, apparently, he's got a changeup and a slider, or a changeup breaking ball that all look really good, and they all come from the same arm slot and have the similar motion. I'm intrigued to see what this guy can provide in spring training. So
1: the way you just described that, I'm like, oh man, he's gonna win a Cy Young.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's probably not that good. He's also throwing in like a cloudy day with a guy with like a baseball cap on, not even a helmet. So like, obviously. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I mean, I I, I assume that he's uh, making his comeback as a reliever, not as a starter. I Uh, would think so. So, Yeah. yeah. I mean, throw that throw that into the bullpen conversation as well. I I noticed he did not get a spring training invite, though. Doesn't mean we won't see him in some of the major league games, but right. um, he wasn't on the official spring training invite list, so um, I would say it's uh, pretty for sure that he's not in competition to come out of spring training on the opening day roster, which I think is expected. That's not but surprising. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, I would assume that they'd want to send him to a lower level and see him have success at a maybe maybe like high A and then double A and then triple A and then the big leagues.
0: Right. Uh, as well as some new news coming out here for the Cubs, uh, there was a report placed out here saying that the Cubs and Cardinals could potentially be playing in London. I believe in 2020, I think is what they're talking about. So next season, um, I believe the Red Sox and Yankees are playing this year, right? In London. Sounds right. Yeah. And I know the Mariners are playing. I don't know who they're opening the day, opening their season up against, but they're playing in Japan to start the season. So that's pretty cool. Um, so I, I like the idea. I mean, I don't – I mean, I'm not traveling to London to go see the Cubs play the Cardinals um, when I could probably wait two weeks and see them do it in Chicago. But uh, it's cool. I think it's yeah. fine. I know I've noticed more and more fans from the U.K. and just outside of the United States in general are picking up fandom. So I'm sure the Cubs are real excited to get them their Anthony Rizzo jerseys. Yeah. I and mean, let I, them play in front of them.
1: Uh, and I'm sure Major League Baseball is excited to have uh, – this game be played in an exciting location unlike st louis which we all know is boring
0: <laughs> i have it on good authority um side note did you see that tweet battle that gordon whitmeyer and Derek yes. gold were getting into or Gould? oh my gosh oh, So it was, funny! it
1: was so good and to, to give you the peek behind the curtain i've uh i've been at games uh at bush stadium in st louis with both those guys there and it it's not underselling it to say that they're fairly good friends. Uh, they have uh, like yeah. they have like little bets they make at the beginning of the year about, <laughs> about different things, and uh, they have like several years running about like who won the bet that that year or the year before. <laughs> it, it's just the you know, there are two like like Derek Gould is the Gordon Wittenmeyer of yeah. Cardinals, <laughs> so so it's just so perfect. Uh, and and seeing them do that. That battle like those those guys are both really underrated and in, in how witty they are uh, yeah so yeah like it, it was really fun to read i saw gordon make a uh, a joke about the, the rams having left st louis and <laughs> yeah. gould came back with something good too i mean it, it was just an, an outstanding back and forth It went it went on for like 24 hours
0: yeah and honestly like each tweet that came out was better than the next like it was like i was like this is super good like i don't think yeah. i could be this witty for this many tweets in a row like i, I think i've got like two or three in me but otherwise i'd have to prep and like you know th- <laughs> that's not funny yeah uh
1: um, <laughs> <No>, are <that, laughs> breaking that, that my was, own material if, um, if you're on twitter and you know who we're talking about you should go search for that and just start scrolling through the thread it's funny yeah. stuff
0: It's it's good stuff. Uh, Speaking of threads here as well, Anthony Rizzo did an AMA on our baseball for Reddit. If you guys want to check that out, Um, it was through Fanatics. They've actually been doing a cool series where they've been bringing baseball players to come do this Reddit thing. While they're doing a lot of times they're in like sessions of like signing autographs and whatnot, but people are submitting questions. Uh, Some of the interesting answers that Rizzo had. um, Someone asked him who he thought was the biggest prankster in the uh, clubhouse. Who do you think he said?
1: Ooh. I would guess probably Pedro Strope.
0: Yeah. He said Strope. Yeah. It was so perfect cuz I mean like Strope does just do the weirdest things. Um <laughs> it's like not it's funny though because like I don't think anyone like recognizes it as a prank. They're just like what is he? Okay, whatever. He's <laughs> he's flickering the lights on and off and strobing them. All right, let's just go in the shower. You know, was, and it's just like the only one that thinks it's funny is was, Pedro Strope. Was,
1: <laughs> was Strope the one who who tricked Jorge Soler a few years ago where mm. where he like told Solaire that he had some Chinese food for him. It was just in this like brown box that was folded up. Uh, And Solaire was like all excited and like he had an avocado. He was going to like cut up with- and, and eat with it. And he opened it up and it was a burger. And, he- <laughs> and Solaire was so disappointed. And, and Strope was just laughing like a maniac. Yeah. It was like an Instagram video. And I remember watching it like several times, like the look on Solaire's face. It was like the Charlie Brown music should have been playing. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yep. Um, he also said Javier Baez. He said it was a tie between the two. So I could yeah. see that. Yeah, um,
1: I think hi, uh, the Baez was in on that video too. You could hear Baez mm-hmm. laughing
0: in the background. And then he also said something about, um, they asked him if there was like one person he would like go on a trip with, who would it be? And everyone thought he'd say Chris Bryant. Uh, he asked his, He actually said Ian Happ. He okay. said him and Happ have gotten really close this last year. And he said something along the lines of like, I know I can always count on him. So, Mm. I thought that was interesting. And I think that kind of might show maybe where loyalties lie if they did have to pick between Elmore and Hap. So, me speculating, Mm. of course.
1: Yeah. Well, also, is that a shot at Chris Bryant and his friendship with
0: uh, Bryce Harper? Mm. See, he also... Did take a little bit of a dig at Chris Bryant again, not actually, of course. Um, someone said, like, are Chris Bryant's eyes as dreamy as they are, as they, they seem in person, or something like that? And he's like, they're pretty good. He's like, but our strength and conditioning coaches are better. And he said, Bussy. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you obviously talk about Tim Boss. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, so not necessarily a shot, but a little bit of shade. Some little oh, little shade wow. here. We, yeah.
1: we can read into that all we want with a man. Wish he had done that at the beginning of the off season. We could have talked right. for months about this.
0: Ooh, it would have been great. <laughs> been so much fun. Sure the could have made the Bryce Harper. Agree. Yeah, right. Calcon, <laughs> <laughs> take me away. Um, that all about dude here for Lockdown Cubs. Uh we have some stuff coming up here this week. I know we're gonna be I think we're gonna finally be potentially debuting a video this week, maybe, possibly. Yeah, we're getting we'll close.
1: We've we've done our first test video and realized uh, what we have that works and what we have that definitely does not work and now we're cutting out the stuff that does not work and trying to come up with ways to replace that and make it better and I feel like we're on our way. So
0: Yeah. Um, we I'll, have the technology.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we can rebuild it.
0: We can rebuild it. <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: no, we'll probably be reaching out. I know I've already reached out to one person but once we have a video we might even do like a little focus group of long time listeners so uh, sure. keep, keep an eye out. We might reach out to you, a couple of you guys to give us feedback on some on some stuff before we make it all like real public but uh um, i'm excited about what we're doing the video stuff that we're doing is, is cool we're gonna have like clips you know it'll be stuff where you can if you're like on your computer or whatever you could still be doing something else and not watching and you'd still be getting essentially the same thing as what we're doing now yeah. but you could also be watching it and seeing like if we're talking about a player you might also get to see, like, highlights of that player doing stuff. So, yeah, there, there's all kinds of little things that I think we can do with it that I think, you know, people are going to like.
0: I think so. I hope so. And if you guys don't, tell us, some we'll make it better, so... That'll be a a little focus grouping here. So that'll probably come soon. Um, But with that, that'll wrap up the show here. If you guys aren't following us on Twitter, make sure you do that at Lockdown Cubs. You can follow myself and Ryan at Sean R. Sears and Ryan Q. Davis. Uh, Check out all Ryan's stuff at Forbes right now. He's writing a bunch for the season. Um, I've got some NBC Sports stuff that'll be coming relatively soon. And then I am writing for Fansided. I think I'll be doing some of their baseball preview. So I'll be writing about a bunch of teams here. So you'll be able to see my content as well which will be nice because i haven't really written a bunch and then i was on tv sunday night for cltv um sports feed with josh friedman and uh, jared payton so if you want to see what my face looks like and compare it to how i sound on the radio or podcast wherever you want to listen to this awesome just don't make fun of me too much this is uh this will probably be our last episode of the season one of Locked On cubs we'll start a new season
1: oh yeah that's right
0: yeah thanks for sticking around guys and enjoy the rest of your day